Right, right. Like, uh, this hardly seems worth it. This seems worth it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You know what else is worth it? What's that? Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Pixlet. My name is Kevin. With me, as always, is Phil. Today on the show, we got a brand new book. Yes. Yes, we do. Cyberpunk 2027, No Coincidence by Rafał Kusik. Bright and shiny and colorful. Look, it's got a bright yellow, yeah. you know, cover. I got the I got the hardback because I sometimes I treat myself. Should have um, gotten the hardback. It's yeah. so beautiful. It is. It's a nice looking book. Um, I, and what's funny is that on the cover, I the the cover the, the this is not representative. I don't think of any of the characters. No, I don't so think so far. either. <laughs> It's a great cover, but I don't know. It's a great yeah, it's cover. Like, doesn't it's really have like, anything to do with what we're talking about. It doesn't actually fit the description here. of any of the characters no. so far. <laughs> so far. Nope. Um, but it is, and it's also a long book. We're still going to get this done in three episodes, but this bad boy is, this bad boy is dense. Yes. It is a dense story. Um, it has a lot of moments, a lot of little character moments, too, I've noticed, as there's a lot of scenes with character beats and all that. But before yeah. we get into into all that, Phil, can you tell me a little bit about who Rafael Kosick is? Well, uh, this is, first and foremost, I got a lot of this information from Polish Wikipedia, uh, uh, and I had to Google Translate, so if something is screwy in there, uh, forgive me. Uh, but basically, everything that I'm finding is that Rafał Kosick might be the most influential uh, uh, sci-fi writer of Poland uh, alive today. Uh, the guy has won like a billion awards. Uh, he has a very popular kind of teenager sci-fi series called Felix Net and Nika. Um, he has lots of different uh, series that he's worked on. He's w- written uh, for film and television, including uh, a cyberpunk TV show that I guess. Uh, yeah, it was on Netflix uh, yeah. last year. Yeah, I, I I didn't know about that until I looked that up, uh, which is that tells you how well that did. Uh, <laughs> but he uh, is and people liked it. <laughs> oh, did they like it? Okay, that's yeah. good. I just didn't I didn't hear about that one at all. Uh, but he's very prolific. Uh, has done a lot of stuff. His books have been made into films, uh, and obviously they have been translated. Um, now this is actually as far as I can tell the only time that one of his books has been translated into English or was written in English because I couldn't find... There is a translator. Okay. Um, Stefan Kielbesowicz. Whisk. Okay, I'm not. I'm not even going to do that. I'm not even going to do that to the Polish people because they seem like nice folks. They, they are uh, nice folks and yeah. we are not here to butcher no. their language. No. Or names. Um, but generally, his work uh, uh, tends to get translated into uh, Ukrainian, Hungarian, Czech, uh, Russian, Lithuanian, that sort of thing. So he is he is well known over uh, over over on the eastern side of Europe, uh, and uh, this this might be uh, most Americans' introduction to his style. And based on uh, or his writing, and based on what uh, you and I have gotten into so far, without giving too much away, uh, I hope. It isn't the last. Uh, yeah, the no, I'm, I'm really chops. hoping. Yeah, I, I, I think hopefully if there's a bit good enough reception about uh, with this book. And this book, honestly, it just came out. Yeah, it was uh, just released. Uh, 
just released a little bit ago. Um, if there's a good reception to this book, hopefully we see some of his previous work going uh, and getting translated. I noticed that's that happened sometimes too. Yeah. When that would be very when, cool. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, so if you don't know uh, what Cyberpunk 2077 is. Uh, that's the game this is based on, and Cyberpunk 2077 was a 2020 uh, action role-playing game developed by CD Projekt Red, and it was released uh, to uh, much anticipation, but was a, kind of a critical flop upon release. It, it was buggy. It was a mess. It, it didn't mm-hmm. have... There was so much uh, made of this game during development and when it finally came out, it was, uh, it just had issue after issue. That being said, um, so a lot of mixed responses. That being said, uh, it got better. So, <laughs> yeah. To quote, uh, it was a new, got better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. been a lot of patches and updates and bug fixes and coming out. Uh, I, I got to look it up because I'm not sure. This episode we're recording, uh, it's the towards the end of August, and I got to check out. This one out should when be coming out Phantom, uh, September sixth. September sixth. When does Phantom Liberty come out? I think it's um, out. Um, uh, Phantom Liberty comes out September twenty sixth. Okay, oh, so okay. at the end of the, so yeah, right before, right after you, uh, the series ends, uh, Phantom Liberty comes out, and that's the DLC. That's pretty much. Uh, gonna be a huge expansion of the game and it also will change a bunch of bunch of the systems in the base game itself um and it's it's gonna star idris elba as the like the main npc that you're dealing with um so you know i i i can't argue against more idris elba absolutely um by the way, uh, in Cyberpunk, uh, Giancarlo Esposito was in Cyberpunk Edge Runners. So, oh, oh, well, there's another, there's a good there's reason, a reason for me to, to go check that out. Awesome, <laughs> I love that man. He's the best. Um, so yeah, I've played, I've beaten Cyberpunk 2077. You know, it's a, it's honestly a fun game. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I can't say much else, but I, I really had a, a blast. Uh, playing it. it takes like 50 to 60 hours to beat uh and i'm i'm probably going to replay it once phantom liberty comes out with the the new expansion yeah um, yeah yeah so uh that should do it for the introduction to this stuff um what do you say we put the body in the marsh let's put that wacky body in that crazy old marsh it's not reality tv <laughs> Uh, chapter one. Chapter one. We are introduced to Zor, who is one of our protagonists, as he waits for something to take place, but we don't know what that is yet. Uh, he's squeezed in between a dumpster and the wall of a building, and it's raining outside. And <laughs> Zor thinks about how he's been living on the razor's edge for seven years, and while he's thinking about this, he's futzing with the magazine of his machine gun, and it doesn't seem to be cooperating. And uh, he has this line. Uh, he couldn't imagine any other place he ought to be. 
Couldn't picture any other time or place where he'd fit. Rain, a dumpster, and a gun, and no choice. <laughs> and it's it's just like, fuck, this is hard-boiled. Yeah, here is, we go. <laughs> I think one of the things that cyberpunk stuff most often can be synthesized with is, like, Raymond Chandler stuff. Yes. Like, detective noir. Um, because it's it's similar vibes. Because, like, the, the, the noir stuff also had some punk elements of, like, yeah, the fucking system sucks, man. Yeah. You know, the that's CD why you see private investigators. It's like, what, that's why you see private investigators a lot in, in noir. Is not because cops. it's Not cops. You don't yeah. see cops. You see private investigators because the cops have already failed. Yes, A exactly. lot of times in, in these noir settings. And also in cyberpunk se- settings, it's the system. It's the system that's fucked. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's it is it's 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 a it's really interesting and it, it goes all the way back to Blade Runner if, and beyond I don't know uh, it but that's certainly the one that kind of did the real yeah. really got its hooks into us mentally I think and, and yeah cyberpunk and good. yeah because <laughs> it yeah. works um, and uh, what's who's the main cyberpunk uh, author um, oh uh, William Gibson. William Gibson is like the the main With dude. Neuromancer and everything. Neuromancer yeah. and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, so check out some William Gibson if, oh, if this tickles do. your tickles your butt. Uh, I I read I read Neuromancer years ago and really liked it and uh, and this reading this has just made me want to. Uh, I have a old beat up paperback of it somewhere around here that I really ought to. Uh, yeah. Tip dip into that again. Crack it open. Yeah. Crack it open. Crack it. Um, so in 30 seconds, the target is going to arrive, and Zor continues to wait until he's cued by a voice to open fire on a security truck that has rounded the corner. His gun is a SMG that is super cheap and will fall apart soon, but it'll <laughs> do the job just fine for now. Uh, the security truck stops after the gunfire and reverses, but it reverses into a sports car, and it's it's stuck. And a corpo woman gets out of the car and starts screaming at the security crew. And I believe from somebody's point of view, it says she's like an Italian diva. Yeah. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nearby, a man named Warden is monitoring the entire situation. Uh, It's a heist of some Militech gear. Um, So we'll back up a little bit. And you kind of get this through the course of the story, but... There's a few big corporations that run everything. Yeah. Militech is one of them. Arasaka is another one of them. I think there's a few others, uh, but those are like those are it. Those and those run the city. So they're stealing something from Militech, which is one of the biggest. Um, so sitting by Warden in an icy bath is the net runner who is running the heist. Uh, Warden is considering killing the Netrunner at the end of the heist, and uh, Warden orders a man named Ron to open fire. But Ron hesitates because the Corpo, Molina, is still out in the road in line of sight. Uh, Zor decides to take initiative and fires at the cab of the truck, which causes the soldiers of the in the truck to pile out. Aya, uh, an Asian woman, uh is cued to fire a grenade, and she fumbles with the grenade launcher for a little bit and then shoots a smoke grenade perfectly into the cab of the truck. 
and then a man named Borg comes out and begins firing his gun as well. And it just turns out to an all-out gunfight with Miltech. The Miltech guys are behind their truck firing, but they can't see anything because of all the smoke from the smoke grenade. Um, and it's kind of like a stalemate until Aya is like, just says, cover me. And she does some like backflip flipping gymnastics across the top of the truck (laughs) and cuts through the smoke and shoots one of the guys up close and then clears out. And then finally, Ron, who is on the second floor of the building that they're at, that they're by, uh, opens fire with a heavy machine gun. Uh, then we see everything from the Netrunner's point of view, and to him, everything is happening in slow motion because things happen faster in cyberspace. So he's looking at the CCTVs, and from his point of view, in real space, everything is happening like it's going through molasses, which I yeah. think is a really neat detail. I think that's super cool. That's a, that's a neat detail, yeah. That, like, the processing, like, oh, yeah, it's pure brain processing this information so it just seems slower. Um, so the EMPs, he detonates some EMPs that they had placed. Um, and Aya twitches. Uh, and Zor's like, yeah, it shouldn't affect us. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, the truck's the truck is finally open. And uh, Borg is ordered to go get the tow truck. But instead, he goes off script and he's like shoots one of the guards and he's mouthing off at the other ones. Mm-hmm. And then he fucking kisses his bicep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it gets very, um, yeah, it gets very eighties there, which I guess he, is appropriate. <laughs> it's appropriate. He is probably the most, he is like a pro wrestling heel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's great. He's, he's such an asshole. <laughs> he's such an asshole. The police are on their way. And, uh, so Melina goes and grabs the truck because Borg is being a slow piece of shit. Yeah. Um, they load the gear out of the Miltech convoy truck and into, uh, their truck, which is garbage truck and take off. Uh, the warden watches them drive away and the cops, uh, he, on one TV and on the other TV, he notices that the cops are going off in the wrong direction because the net runner is like confusing the signals and all that stuff. Um, so, and then warden is like thinking about the job itself. And he's like, this is a great idea. I forced a bunch of amateurs to do the job. If they died, then I am, I'm out nothing. Um, and then he's like, but I fucked up by letting them see my face and know my name. And next time, that won't be a problem. They continue driving with Melina at the wheel. Uh, Ron looks at Ava's wound, and he is a ripper doc. Um, so in this world, in the cyberpunk world, um, cyberpunk 2077 world, ripper docs are basically like, they're the ones that are responsible for installing any chrome or mods that you would want to put into your body. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can also just do regular stuff too. Um, chop shop guys. Chop shop guys, yeah. Um, and so he looks at uh, Ava's wound and stitches it up. Um, they follow a route that the net runner say, lets it, lays out for them. And Zor notices that Ava has no visible chrome installed on her. Uh, Borg, on the other hand, has a lot of chrome, uh, but most of it seems to be just for Flash. Um, uh, Zor then has a thought and instructs Melina, wait a minute, pull over, everyone switch off your phones. Uh, And then he's like, so 
let's all be clear, we just have to be careful because there's a chance that the warden might just kill us when we get back there. Um, the warden notices that they have stopped moving and is really pissed off. And he takes this moment to try to kill the net runner. But the net runner is like, ah, ah, ah. The net runner has been recording this and recording warden this entire operation via drone. Yeah. And is like, hey, if I flatline, this goes public and you're fucked, buddy. I mean, and, if you're that vulnerable during these kind of missions, yes, you I forgot better to cover mention, your ass. Yeah, I forget to mention the Netrunner is sitting in, an, is in a bathtub filled with ice while I this is happening. I love that detail. I guess, I guess to keep from overheating because of all yeah, of the fucking from, wear. Yeah. Oh, that's cool as shit. That's such a great <laughs> detail. Like that if you're going to, because in Shadowrun, that's a Decker and, you know, and all that. And it's like, it's like that, that's such a great detail of like, of the, you are so filled. It's like, you're a computer. You're a computer. Yeah. So you need a cooling system. And so an ice bath is going to have to do. Yeah. I, I love the, that detail. I think one of the differences in between Shadowrun and Cyberpunk 2077 would be that the, the runners are never... I don't think they're ever necessarily there, like uh-huh. on location, because they have to be like all plug. Like they they they're basically just a brain hooked up to the system at right. a certain point. Um, so in the so and this is the one of the first. This is not really spoilers. In the first mission of Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, the first main mission, um, your net runner is off site plugged into the system of the building you're infiltrating. And there's a moment in which the security team like neutralizes her and it just like sends a signal back and kills her. Like, because it, it it goes into her brain and she's done. She's fried. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, so yeah, uh, back in the truck, the gang goes over Zor's theory uh, and that everyone in the van has something to lose, something that the warden is holding over them. Uh, they get to the drop-off, and the warden's like, all right, put all your guns in here, and he speaks with them, and then he's like, all right, yeah, you can go. Um, and they leave. And I I have a feeling it's not explicitly stated that the reason he lets them go is because of the Netrunner's threat. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he was planning on just killing everybody, but... Now, it's it, the net runner has like a leverage on him. Yeah, so it's just absolutely not worth it at this point. It's not worth it at this point. Yeah. Uh, chapter two starts with a guy named Liam, who is a police detective investigating the crime scene that our main characters have just created, and the street cleaner. And this is this is a good scene in showing like where the priorities are for everybody because he's he's the detective he's there to investigate and the streets uh cleaners are like hey cop get the fuck out of the way we got to clean up this mess yeah yeah (laughs) i love it and and liam is like looking around he's doing his detective thing his sherlock thing he's like all right he's like what's the deal with this machine gun that missed all of its shots and he's like, and then like a Militech van pulls up and takes over the crime scene. And Liam's like, wait a minute, like this is my crime scene. And Militech's like, no civilians were hurt. 
uh, it was Miltech property that was stolen. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And, and Liam's like, okay, well, it happened on a public street. And Miltech's like, yeah, okay, fuck off. Fuck off. Yeah, exactly. You fuck off. Just, just. <laughs> Good so point. Like, Thanks. The corp, gotcha. The corpo, <laughs> the corp is like basically just able to go roll in there. I'm like, nah, no investigation. It's our investigation. Nope. Cyrus now. Like, oh, well. Oh. Uh, well, I guess I'll go have lunch. I guess so. He had, he texts his wife saying, "Yeah, I can I can pick up our daughter early. Yeah, I, I got nothing else to do. Change of plans." <laughs> um, meanwhile, Zora's back at his apartment, thinking about the job they just pulled while listening to a barrage of advertisements on the TV, and it is a barrage. It's. So good. This part is so good. Like this, this sets the tone because now, and we're going to get into this more, uh, but Kevin, you've pointed out to me that, that one of the big differences here between this novel based in this world and the video game is that, and anybody who's familiar with cyberpunk and has read uh, more than just your average shit knows that cyberpunk is, is an, is an intensely anti-corpo anti-capitalist genre. That's the whole right. idea. Uh, these, these, these corporations have taken over our lives uh, and, and it's about the subversion of that and, and dealing with this kind of fucked up too bright, too overwrought, too neon world now. And, uh, and one of the big criticisms, apparently, and I haven't played it, but apparently one of the big criticisms of the, the video game Cyberpunk 2077 uh, was that it really doesn't touch on that at all. Yeah, um, it, 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 yeah it, it doesn't really. Um, it's not necessarily like it feels like it's there, but it's almost superficial mm-hmm. in service to other plots in the game where it. It couldn't, it's like, oh no, it's, it's, yeah, sure. The corporations suck, but like, it's not, and it's, it's given all that. Basically that's the muster it's given. (laughs) It's, it's the, it's about as, it's about as, you know, punk as an anarchy in the UK sticker that you got at the hot topic or something. Yeah. Uh, But this, this is the beginning of some serious punk as green day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but this is the beginning of some seriously fuck capitalism themes and tones that are are impossible to ignore uh with this this just the dis- the disgust at all of the advertising because like you said it is a barrage and yeah. it's crazy. And Zor is he makes sure that uh, we don't know everything about Zor's background. And we won't even at by the the time this episode is is done, we won't know everything about Zor's background. That's probably just going to be a through line through the entire book. Sure. But Zor is trying to keep a relatively low profile. Like he he's trying not to he's trying to keep his watching habits to be that of like an average night city resident. So he watches like the most popular shows, or at least he has them playing on his TV. All this nothing that stands out. Yeah. One of the most disturbing moments is he is watching the news and it's a segment on the Militech convoy uh, being ambushed, the crime that he did. And then there is a part where the where the truck doors open 
and a guy comes out looking directly into the camera and starts talking to him. Yeah. And it's an ad that has been spliced and grafted into the footage of the crime scene. <laughs> it's so, but it's bizarre and horrible, but you can't tell me they haven't thought of that. <laughs> it's like the news, it, like the news doesn't stop or anything. It's just like an ad starts in the middle of the footage. Yeah. Yeah. About the crime. <laughs> and and I'm just reading about this. I'm not in this. It's not a visual medium. This is not a video game or a movie or something. But just the description set my ADHD aflame. Like, like <laughs> having to concentrate on, like, both of those things at once. And, like, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. that was really effective and bleak. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... He finishes the night by by going through uh, the net. He's just like clicking on websites, like yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Um, and he lays down and he thinks about Aya. Um, he was kind of smitten with her a little bit. A little bit. Um, yeah, he's like, ooh, that's interesting. She yeah, seems that, nice. She seems fun. She seems fun. Um, and he's like, yeah, I'll never see her again. And he falls yeah. asleep. We switch scenes over to a strip club where Aya works. Uh, she's dancing on stage and uh, she's finishing her set and she heads backstage and she sends a message to someone named M that she'll be home soon. Um, her boss, Crisp or Crispy, approaches her and begins to pressure Aya about how there is a want out there for organic women or organic. So basically, Organic people are people who don't have any chrome or mods yeah. on them for organic women to sleep with. Uh, people like that sort of thing. And I is like, no, I don't want to. And Crispy's like, well, you think you're some kind of fucking saint? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't Just, say that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Ron is at a bar and he's flipping ice cubes one on top of each other. And he never misses. And there's a bartender's like. You better never play dice in a casino. They'll 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 kill you for yeah. for that. And he's like, I I wouldn't. I'm a I'm a doc. I'm a ripper doc. Yeah. Um, because he he has like precise hands, so he can repeat the same motion over and over again without yeah, yeah. Uh, a mistake. Um, and then Ron says something like, "You know what it's like to do something that's beneath you, but you have no choice." And the bartender's like, I got a drink for that. And he pours him another <laughs> drink. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's good it's writing. Good. It's good writing. Good dialogue. Very at Melina's a, Yeah, it's very snappy. Uh, at Melina's apartment, she is sitting in post-coital ennui while her too eager compatriot is trying to talk to her. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Just... <laughs> she dismisses him with a speech about the pointlessness of life and then he says see uh, okay see you tomorrow uh, see you at work tomorrow and leaves yeah yeah exactly <laughs> like, oh honey oh boy oh, oh no boy. yeah <laughs> um, so she dials up some anti-stress chemicals uh drinks some whiskey and looks at herself and she's 
damn fine looking uh, for 52, synthetically young in the face, uh, has all the mods to make her look as hot as possible. Um, and then she lights a cigarette and throws her whiskey glass at the window. Sure. I think she, we've all been there. I think we've all had that day. Yeah, she's a uh, Melina. I find is is a really interesting character because she is just constantly. She's in a state. She's mm-hmm. in a she's in a funk, and we don't really know where what it is yet. Um, I know she was. There is a mo- mention that she was in a car accident, and uh, a few weeks prior. And she saw like there was a child trapped in a car. Yeah, and yeah. the the uh, rescue workers like it was it was already too late, and one of the rescue workers was trying to like break free of um of the grasp, but like everybody's holding him back, and he's like, "No, I got to rescue the kid." And then it's like that's what Melina is thinking about while her 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 uh, coworkers like, yeah, so I gave you three orgasms, right? That's right, that's right. <laughs> Motherfuckers keep <Keaton> count. <laughs> I don't care how good in bed he is if he's if he's literally counting the orgasms he's given you. Uh, that that did you you it's that's that's like a factory that manufactures nothing but red flags. <laughs> Just welcome to it. the red flag factory. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Please so enjoy we our all tour. These, these little vignettes with our characters that were just on the heist. And Borg is not left out. Borg is at a strip club trying to pick up women. He gets too drunk and falls down. Uh-huh. That's it. <laughs> That's it. These, it's just it's just one vignette of like bleak. <laughs> sad sack shit after another and it's and Borg's great. like <laughs> yeah it is great it is it is it is your shadow run game with your like f- you know fresh out of the box characters spending their 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 income their new yen from their first big you know, heist and just failing on every role and making asses of themselves in the meantime. It's it's, it's great. Just, it's it's great. wonderful. It's great. Uh, chapter three opens with an interlude from uh, I guess a vlogger named uh, Freak Seek, yeah. who is looking into the disappearance of all the information on the Militech convoy attack that happened in Arroyo. Everything has been wiped, and. Uh, he, uh, you gotta love Freak Seek. He's he's uh, he's very enthusiastic about yeah. his job. These are these are these are fun. Uh, uh, he's like he's like, bits. what's up, fuckers? It's yeah. your boy Freak Seek. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 truly like it's this very believable thing where you're like, yeah, I got I got impression influencers aren't gonna change that much. Uh, <laughs> another fifty years, I think. Yeah, I think it'll is- be. This is an influencer in 50 years. Yeah, yeah. there's no. Yeah, that's not changing. I feel like that's pretty. Yeah. On the money. I think yeah. we can look forward to that for a long, long time. Hooray. So, so we finally meet our net runner, Arthur. He is a teenager living at home with his verbally abusive mother who keeps pushing him to go get a job and stop sitting at home all day watching brain dances. Um, so a brain dance is basically like uh you put on this like halo thing and the brain dance is like, it's like porn, but it's, uh, it's like a 3d holographic thing, like spatial. So it's, it's, um, 
It's super immersive. Mm-hmm. And it's like a, it's like, like a lap dance with all that without all that pesky human interaction. Without that pesky human interaction, yeah. Yeah. Get rid of that. Yeah, um, fuck it. Uh, yeah, this is the shit you you don't get in Ready Player One, which is the most anti cyberpunk. It's like it's like the corporations aren't bad, actually. Uh, yeah, no, like this is this is this 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 actually is a terrific companion piece uh, to Ready Player One. If you must uh, uh, read that book, and you mustn't, uh, but if you must, this is a great kind of like rebuttal. Uh, yeah, uh, it serves as an excellent rebuttal. Yeah, <laughs> Ready Player One is baby's first cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. Like, I it's okay. I read I read Ready Play, Player One when it when it came out. I was like, oh, yeah. this is so cool, ah, geeks, geek right. culture. Um, and then the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, that's terrible. This right. is a bad book. <laughs> that was that was that was my also my uh, uh, journey uh, take it. on it because because there just wasn't a lot of uh, there wasn't a lot like that. Uh, at that point, you know, not, not, nothing so overt that had gained that level of popularity. So it was kind of charming at first. And then and then you you like a lot of things like that. You look back at it later and go, oh, that actually wasn't terrific. That actually so. wasn't a good thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so what his mother doesn't realize. And this is an amazing scene. Because she is just like yelling and spouting off like there you could be out getting this job that pays this much, this many annies or this uh-huh. job that pays this. And like in, in between each of those, it's uh, Arthur is like, so I made this game and I've earned 12 uh, and I posted it yesterday and I've made 12,000 annies from that in the past in the past 24 hours. And she's like, yeah, you could get this job, which would give you like 20 a day. <laughs> he's like. He's like making a lot more cash just sitting in his room doing his netrunner stuff. Yeah. Than than anything else. Um, Because he's actually not a netrunner by like that was his first time actually doing it. He's a game designer. Like he makes games and he posts them out onto the net and, you know, people buy them for like 50 cents or whatever. Yeah. Um, Yeah, He's he's basically an indie Steam game developer. Like that's, that's his whole thing. That's that's what he does. Yeah. Um, and he's very particular about his coding. Um, he's basically like a John Carmack type. Very um, much so. Yes. Yes. In, in that he's he's super particular about his coding. He always uses raw code as opposed to WYSIWYG editors. Because mm-hmm. like a lot of people just make programs apparently in this universe where it's like, oh, yeah, I just slap it together with the WYSIWYG, um, which is an acronym for what you see is what you get, that's by right. the way. Yes. Um, uh, with a WYSIWYG editor, he's like, nope, I must program it directly with the raw code. Yeah. Um, he, wants we to, get to, he doesn't want to use templates and shit. He doesn't like want that. to use templates. He wants a bespoke, yes. a true experience. Yes, exactly. Um, and we also get some history in this segment about uh, uh, Ra- uh, Racha. Uh, all I could think of was the name from the word from that first episode of Sherlock. Um, R A C H E. I never, I never watched Sherlock. Uh, uh, it's good until you realize it's terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things where it, it 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 really fools you into thinking that it's good, and then you're like, but it's it's like good at this level, and then it's 
bad at this level. Once you realize right. it's bad, it's like, oh my god, this is so bad. <laughs> That's um, good enough. Anyway, Rasha Bartmoss is the person who caused the collapse of the old net or like the internet we would know today and led construction to the construction of the Black Wall, which is a cyber wall that surrounds basically Night City. Um, it prevents people from leaving the Corpo controlled network uh, so that they don't run into, well, the story is so that they don't run into rogue AIs outside of the Black Wall. The only person who has ever made it out is Alt Cunningham, who was Johnny Silverhand's girlfriend. And rumor is she is still out there. Um, so backstory, rewind a little bit. Alt Cunningham, finding out what happened to Alt Cunningham is one of the main uh, plots of the game. Okay. Cyberpunk 2077. She so the 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 game takes place in 2077. She went missing into the space beyond the black wall in 2013 in this universe. Oh wow! Um, okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> this universe, it's like an alternate, definitely an alternate history. With like, oh sure, yeah. <laughs> things moved a little bit faster. I was about to say like, you're gonna we're gonna have to catch up. <laughs> yeah, no, she so she disappeared in uh, in 2013 and. Uh, has been rumored to be kind of like a ghost in the machine uh, since then. Um, the warden. Uh, oh wait, no, that's a. I skipped ahead. Uh, so as the chapter ends, Arthur is considering getting a C link, which would allow for a better connection to uh, the net. Uh, we move to another section uh, with the warden. He's getting chewed out by a man named Renner. Uh, who he works with, Renner, is not impressed with whatever the fuck Warden just did. <laughs> because uh, Miltech, A, Miltech is their most frequent customer for whatever they do. It's not specified. B, uh, he left a, bun he left a bun bunch of people alive who know his face and his name. And yeah. Renner's like, we have talented people who we do, who we can rely on, when we want to do things like this, <laughs> we use them. We don't use amateurs. And, uh, and the warden's like, don't worry. They, they won't flip on me. And he, it's like, It'll there's a line fine. where it's, it's going to be fine. There's, there's going to be the, uh, runner's like, there's no recordings of you doing this. Right. And warden's like, no, ah, Ron Howard pokes in and, and said, yeah. <laughs> with, he was lying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why are you being so weird about this? Oh, guys. Next Come time on Arrested Development. Right, yeah. <laughs> I, made a, I made a terrible mistake. I made uh, a terrible mistake. Yeah, it, it's, it's, yeah. And, you know, and it's one of those things where you look at it and go, he has an excellent point. That's, <laughs> that's there. It's like this guy, Renner. Pretty much spot on on all of his points. Yeah, can't can't argue with any of them. Uh, not effectively. <laughs> not even going to try. Um, Melina sits at home and she's annoyed with the commercials that she's being served up that profiles her as an aging nympho. <laughs> sure, sure. I love and, that kind of shit. <laughs> and then she, but then she throws on a brain dance called the Twelve Gigolos. Um, I just love it's like. It's this really short scene of Melina like, fuck, what do they think I am? An old nympho? I love it. And then well, it's a, I guess well. I should watch. I'm just going to watch the 12 gigolos and fall asleep. <laughs> better, better check the batteries on my vibrator. Ah, 
hate this bullshit. It's fantastic. There's a brief, there's a brief interlude uh, with some operators chatting about some sort of test they are running that they should pump up some of the variables, and I have no idea what that's about yet. I'm assuming that's gonna that's gonna play out more later. But yeah. you know, these these uh, these three operators are like, well, we're trying to you know watch something. We're trying to figure test this out, and they're like, well, uh, we're not gonna have a test if nobody does anything. Right, and I'm like. I don't know what this is about. Yeah, um, and, 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 and who could blame you for being a little confused because this is, what, the 500,000th uh, scene uh, in this chapter. Uh, this, <laughs> this book changes scenes rapidly. Very rapidly, it is, yeah. It is like, this character's doing this, so we're moving on. <laughs> yep. Here's a moment, here's a moment, here's a moment. It made me think, I, I was just, as a writer, just like like reading this and thinking like, how would I do this? It's this, this must be that, that he like wrote all of this person's stuff out in one column, another column, another, and just kind of broke them up into pieces. And, and the, you took the cards and he shuffled them. Yeah. Just, yeah, just bridge. And, and there we go. <laughs> yeah. And, and because it, it, they're all good scenes and they're all well-written, but you also just, there is a moment where you're just kind of like, stop, like, please, yeah, please like, slow down. I'm out of breath. Yeah, please. I'm out of reading breath. Yeah, <laughs> my brain is tired. This my book has winded me. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, we cut over to Aya, um, and she is waiting for her sister Juliana to get out of the shower. Um, and Juliana is she's like she's a kid. She has uh, some sort of special needs, um, some sort yeah. of disability. Um, and it's, it's kind of, she's has the body of an eight year old, but the mind of a two year old, I think is, is what they, is what she, and she just has no emotional input or reaction to anything. Um, and like, I is like, takes care, you know, she's like, she drives her off. She hugs her. There's nothing. She like sees her off to school in this. She like gives her a kiss on the forehead. Juliana has no reaction. And that just like sends her off into the school. And um, it's like one of those really like. uh, And then after Juliana gets off the, 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 the subway car to go off to the school, Aya gets a message that tuition is overdue. Um, of course <laughs> it's like, it's just like, it's like, Oh, Hey characters. You think you were going to get up? No, no. Says the no. man in Washington. Yeah, uh, no, it is. It is truly, this is, this is all just a Reba McIntyre song, uh, played in cyberpunks 2077. Um, she has the help of someone called M, but that's barely enough to cover it. Um, and then she gets a job offer from an anonymous source, and they come in every few months. And this one is to act as an escort to a man named Geronimo Mendez. Uh, she puts off reading the notes, though, for now, because she needs to go to sleep. Um, oh, did I skip something? I don't know. Oh, I, 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 skipped, a, I skipped a scene. Yeah, I'll, 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 I just skipped a scene with Zor. Uh, Zor is at his day job working uh, for an extermination service named Byers and Sons. And Byers is just a big man who sits at his desk all day and sends Zor out on runs. Uh, and he's telling him about his next gig at a warehouse. And Zor mentions, hey, it's Morris's birthday. And Byers is like, yeah, take him out for a beer. Um, 
then on the Eocene. And then we get back to Zor. Zor and Morris are doing their job to, and decide to call it early. And Zor has to convince Morris that, yeah, they're in the wrong place. Don't worry about it. No one cares. Yeah. Uh, buyers won't be mad at you. Um, we also learned that Morris has Down syndrome. Yeah. Um, so he's just like, you know, you've you've probably met folks with Down syndrome. They're they're sweethearts. They're sweethearts. Um, not really uh, fast on the uptake when it comes to being uh, sar- sarcastic or uh, insincere or something like sure. that. So he's trying to very sincere. Yeah, yeah. He's trying to lie and basically like he's trying to lie to Morris and be like, yeah, yeah let's just get out of here and go uh, somewhere else. Uh, but then he's like, no, it's my bad. I got the wrong address. So he has right. to just like make up a lie for more. Exactly. Just him. because any excuse, he's just going to see right through. So, yeah. Right. Um, so meanwhile at the strip club, uh, Aya is performing. Uh, she's nailing it too, until something happens. She slips and <laughs> falls off the pole, hits her shoulder against the stage. And then she looks up and she has notices that she's having trouble making a fist with her hand. It's like, it's like not functioning correctly. Um, she snaps out of it, notices that there's a creep in the back of the room drinking out of a flask. And she's not like, she's not sure why she noticed that, but uh, normally it's just like a sea of faceless people. But she like hones in on this guy. Yeah. He's just like being in the back of the room. He's like, eh. And yeah. she's like, all right, bye. And she, okay. she and we're there's done. Like, there's like an applause and she goes backstage. Um, Zor calls into buyers to tell them about how the job is pointless. Uh, sometimes they're like that. You know, sometimes they'll get calls to fumigate a building that's going to be demolished in a week. Uh, he, and, and buyers is like, all right, I got another job for you. Uh, you'll like this place. Aya is in backstage and her hand, Aya is backstage and her hand seems to be better. Uh, another worker, uh, Dora talks to her about how good implants are because there's no need for warm up. And she's only making life harder for herself with not having chrome and mods. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, outside, Zor and Morris are sitting in traffic uh, while Morris talks about his dream about demons and how today is his birthday. Uh, yeah, <laughs> kind of really insistent on it, too. Really insistent. You know, today's my birthday, right? Yeah. yeah. And Zor's like, uh-huh. uh-huh. And he's like, you know, my mom always used to buy me a cake for my birthday. And uh-huh. Zor's like... <laughs> well, why is, isn't she buying it today? And and Marsh goes, because she's dead. And you, and you just feel it's like, great. Just way to suck the air out of the room, pal. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so they get to their destination, which is a strip club. Um, and Zora tells Marsh to stay close to him because the neighborhood isn't safe. Back inside the club, Aya is in the dressing room when one of the kids who works there comes in. <laughs> he's exceedingly shy and he's like, uh, 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 and he like hands her like something. And he's like, she doesn't even realize that she's just standing there topless. And right. like the kid is, the kid's like, uh, uh I gotta go. <laughs> she's just, just not, a, not aware of the effect she's having. Yeah. Not aware of the effect that she's having. <laughs> the kid drops off a token, which means a customer is requesting her personally, uh, for a personal dance, which I'm sure uh, is always Something Always you're looking fine. forward to. Oh, yeah. Always something you're looking forward to. Yeah. Zor and Morris are looking at the basement of the strip club, which seems to be massive. Um, they're like, all right, well, we can fumigate it, but, you know, there's no need to rush because it's going to take too long to do anyway. Morris, he's like, Zor is telling Morris, like, don't worry about it. This Because Morris is like, this will take three days, not three hours. Right. Um, 
Back upstairs, Aya is working her way towards the private dance rooms and sees uh, another worker, Yuki, who's trying to sell her brain dance hollows. Um, and while they're talking, a huge cockroach scurries past them. <laughs> Downstairs, Zor throws a gas grenade that will kill the cockroaches, and he throws it deep into the basement. And he's supposed to warn people in the building uh, that he's using one of these, but he doesn't really think much of it. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's a gas grenade. It's fine. It's fine. It's a. It's 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 it just kill the bugs. It kills bugs, not people, right? Not That's people. how that works. That's fine. It's got yeah. the little skull and crossbones on it. Yeah. Uh, we're fine. It's fine. Um, Aya heads to booth eight and begins her uh, dance for the guy, and she's creeped out by him for some reason, but she doesn't know why and just works higher up on the pole than normal, even though he doesn't try anything. And I think the connection is this is the guy that she saw sitting in the back. Yeah. Of the room. Um, so, uh, Morris, they go upstairs and Morris is begging Zor to stay at the bar since it's his birthday. Um, <laughs> then Morris so gets, pitiful. and then, then Morris is startled by a maelstrom guy, uh, that he sees. So you kind of probably just have to Google what one of the maelstrom guys looks like. Um, because, <laughs> um, Maelstrom, Maelstrom, Cyberpunk. Oh yes, I see. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, they yeah, are. They are a lot. That is upsetting. <laughs> that they is are upsetting to look at. <laughs> that is deeply he sees, upsetting. He sees one of them and he goes, "Ah, a demon." And let's be honest, I probably wouldn't say that. Would say the same thing. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> Out of context, I, I could, I would, yeah, I'd probably find myself having a, a bit of a moment of a religious crisis. What can I say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Um, I get it. Zor considers staying there with Morris and thinks back to the last day he spent in a bar, which he does once a month. He goes to a bar, he order orders a drink, and he doesn't drink it. And the last time he did that was the day he met Warden. Um. Aya finishes her dance in booth eight, but the customer slaps another token on the table. But this time, it's a red token, which means something more intimate than a dance in a what? private setting. Aya refuses because she is just a dancer and doesn't do that sort of thing. He wants her because she is 100% organic. Um, she looks around for the bouncers and catches Dora's eye because uh, Dora's on stage, and Dora just tells her to grow the fuck up, princess. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Quit Aya, bitching and suck that dick. And then, yeah, basically. And then Aya, instead of doing any of the bu- of, of the above, punches one of the bodyguards in the stomach. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's like, not doing it. Uh, Zora and Morris are drinking at the bar, and Morris is here hitting the beer a little faster than Zora is hoping he would. Uh, Zor doesn't isn't drinking, and then Morris prods Zor to like, "Hey, you were telling me about how you met your wife. Like, keep telling, keep telling that story." And Zor, you know, he's telling the story, and he's like, "You know what? This is actually isn't bad. Would this be the worst thing in the world? You know, just having a little." Thing, you know, going out with Morris every once in a while, just hanging out. Um, but that's when the the chaos that uh, Aya has caused, because, <laughs> yes, they're in the same strip club. Of course, spills out into the main room. <laughs> she sees a dancer fighting with a square jawed hustle and hustle spelled H-U-S-C-L-E is the slang term 
for like a bodyguard or like a muscle, you know, muscle um, uh, in a suit. Uh, Morris is like, we got to help her. And Zora's like, no, uh, we're (laughs) not doing that. Yeah. (laughs) We so don't have to get involved in any of this. No. And then the hustle has like, has like her arms pulled back and is like the other hustles coming in to, to take a swing at her. Um, and he recognizes that it's Aya. Um, and then, uh, Zor, that's when Zor gets up and he gets in, in between them in the middle of it. He tells the man that she danced for who in his head, he just calls Mr. Slick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's yeah. like, listen, let's just all, let's just all walk away from this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, th- that doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, they go to fight. Uh, Zor punches one of the guys uh, and knocks him down. Uh, the other takes out his gun and draws on him, but Morris tries to tackle the guy. The guy takes Morris and shoves him into the floor, and this really pisses Zor off because nobody hits Morris. Um, there's a lot of back and forth, just Punching, swinging, all that stuff. And finally, the bouncers get involved. Are the bouncers big, muscly, bur- burly men? No, they are basically Harley Quinn. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of Harley Quinns with baseball bats. <laughs> Which look terrifying and effective. I, yeah, sure. You took a chance on an unorthodox uh, uh, bouncing setup, and, and let's it see works. how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Great. Um, yeah. So the the bouncers are now attacking. They're attacking everybody. They're attacking the the hustle. They're attacking Zor. Um, and finally, it, they square off. And Zor is fighting the hustle, and Aya is fighting the bouncers. And then the chapter ends with what seems to be a flashback for Zor from some sort of bombing run he did during the war. Uh, where it was like a firebombing he did mm-hmm. during some sort of war. Um, that's how chapter three ends. These, these people f- got problems. <laughs> <laughs> these people got, got serious problems. Serious problems, just bags of trauma everywhere. Yes, um, it's just, just undealt with everywhere you look. Chapter four starts with Freak Seek again. And he's talking about the cockroaches at Mary's bar and how the cockroaches will go right up on your feet if you come in some low kicks. Um, Zor wakes up on a beach. He's with Aya, and she stitched him up after the fight. Uh, Morris, meanwhile, is rocking back and forth 20 yards away. Uh, Aya is like, yeah, Morris drove, uh, drove us there. And Zor's like, Morris doesn't drive. And Aya's like, yeah, well, the car's fucked up. <laughs> that explains a lot. Good. Explains okay. a lot. And Zor's and Zor's like, mm, great. I hated that job anyway. Nice. And I is like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can't go back either. <laughs> <laughs> so Zor goes back to his apartment. Uh, he the he has the he does the toothpick trick uh, he, where he has a toothpick in the door um, to see if anybody has broken in. With so basically, if the toothpick is not in the door anymore, that means somebody opened the door. Um, no one's entered the apartment. He goes in. He takes a takes a shower, and he gets a bunch of while he's in the shower, he gets a bunch of messages from buyers. <laughs> um, the first two are expletive laden, and the third one is just a bill for the damages to the truck. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Zor says basically it was seven hundred eddies uh, for a beer. 
which is a very expensive beer. Uh, then he also gets a text from Ron, the Ripper Doc, and he's like, "Hey, you want to go get a beer?" And like, and Zora's like, hey, "Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah." Aya gets home, and as soon as she gets in, so here's the wild thing: is as soon as she gets into her apartment, the TV turns on automatically to start showing her advertisements. Yeah, immediately. Immediately, that is that is dystopia, right? That is, that is, it's so funny, and I knew you would bring this up because I felt the same way. And it's so funny to me that in a world, it's like all of this fucked up shit that they're describing, and there's something so viscerally unpleasant about walking into the home and immediately being assaulted with advertising. And I knew you'd feel the same way that and that would be the, turn the she, yeah. she can't turn the TV off. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's built in. It's probably part of your rent. It's like, yeah. you have to pay an extra premium to not have that. Uh, oh, it, God. It, it's crazy. And, and it's just very upsetting, just upsetting, very upsetting. on a visceral level. I, yeah. Yeah. And then Aya goes and he ch- she checks in on Juliana, who's asleep, and she's considering her future and uh, how the only way to – and I appreciate that in the book that it, like, fix is in quotation marks. Uh-huh. Um, it's like – because it's not about fixing disabled people. It's like, you know, she's like the only way to fix her is some sort of brute surgery, uh, brain surgery, that there's no way she could afford it. And she's worrying about Juliana's prospects. Right. Going into the, like going into the future, and Aya is just bumming herself out at this point. She goes to get a drink of water. She runs the tap, and it's like I guess that's water. Um, I, that's yeah, it's it's it, it, that'll be. Fine. I guess. Um, <laughs> and she goes to to try to drink it, but her hand freezes up again, and she drops the glass out of her hand. Um, and so basically, we we are learning is she does have chrome. And it's one of her hands is fake. Yeah. Um, it's just not the kind that she could go anywhere and get fixed. You can't just go to a ra- random ripper dock and get fixed. Um, so then she opens up the job file that she got. Um, basically, she does these jobs that they send her. When she does the jobs, then she can go get her hand fixed. Um, and this happens every every once in a while. And she opens up the job file and she reads all the details and she starts looking, <laughs> looking through the photos and she's like, oh, fuck. It's the guy that she just got into a fight with. Yes, of course. <laughs> because of course it is. <laughs> because of course it is. Because things couldn't get any, any easier for Aya. <laughs> no. And why would they? That's silly. Why would they? No. Um, I like that uh, Rafal so far has done a good job in like, like setting like the stakes for all of these characters could not be any clearer. Like they are like, they're about to do some stuff in the rest of this book that maybe we'll, you, you could judge them for, but here's their life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Judge them. Judge them after this. We dare you. We dare you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so uh, at the bar, Zor and Ron are sitting mostly in awkward silence while Ron talks about how cool his arm chrome used to be. Um, and he wants to get new arms, a combat SRG-78 from Militech, but it's too expensive. So, you know, it's a catch-22. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's it's too expensive to buy. And, and doing the deal, a job that would be, like, 
uh, worth it, would be make him not need them, et cetera, et cetera. And he's, he's like, I also owe too, many, too much money to the wrong types of people. And uh, then he's like, unless. <laughs> um, and Zor's like, yes. And Ron's like, what if we steal it? And Zor's like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, no. <laughs> no. No, um, absolutely not. And Ron's like, just, he's like, just listen, we steal like three of them. I install one of them on myself. We sell the other two more money than you would have seen at any other job in like a year. And Zor's like, no. And he gets up <laughs> and he starts walking away. And Ron goes, hey, Aya is already interested. And Zor's like, okay, you have my attention. Yeah. Pretty much. Meanwhile, after or before this, not really clear, Aya visits Ron. <laughs> yep. <laughs> not sure if this was the, if that last thing was bullshit or not, but uh, okay. It's, it's he he bullshitted one of them regardless. Right. That's yeah. The one thing. of them. It's the yeah. way it plays out. It's it's bullshit to one of them regardless. Um, we get through the description of the we get a thorough description of the Ripper Doc's office, which is like a mess with cables and all that. Uh, Aya describes it as a dentist's office, but with a stronger stench of rotting meat. Stronger, <laughs> stronger stench. <laughs> it, it, implying that we all know that the we dentist's all know office that your dentist you're going to get a little rotting meat, <laughs> a little touch of rotting meat, just a little. Uh, otherwise, uh, how do you know you're at a dentist's office? How do you know let's you're be, at a dentist's office? Let's be real. Yeah. Let's be real. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, where was I? Oh, yeah. Uh, Aya is Ron checking on her fingers. And Ron's like, I knew right away, by the way, that your hand wasn't organic because I saw the way the fingers were moving. And you have like, he's like, see this to a lay person. It seems natural. But to like a ripper doc, they'll see that like your pinky finger is programmed to like hitch in three repeating ways to seem normal, uh, like a normal movement, but it's always repeating these three movements. And he's like, he goes into a full detail, like it's brilliant technology, mm -hmm. uh, but I could tell that it wasn't organic. And uh, he goes, all right, so let me just like open it up and take a look. And she's like, well, it's not real skin trademark, which is like the skin that they put over, the like the the metal terminator like chrome that you get it's yeah. real space skin over top of of her her fake hands and he's like oh uh this is scandinavian then right and i just <laughs> love the idea that like fucking ikea is the the best at yep <laughs> yep i love that detail so much He's like, this is Scandinavian. Then he's like, well, I guess I still have to open your skin up to look at it. So he's right. like, it's just going to be a small incision. It'll be a scar. And she and she thinks about it. And she's like, yeah, whatever. So he opens opens it up, opens up her, I guess, part of her wrist or whatever. And he starts looking, dealing. He's like, well, there's nothing mechanically wrong. I got to look at your, um, I got to look at your config file for the the hand. And she's like, what's that? And he's like, uh, your config file. And she's like, all right, I'll try to give you access to that with her with a thought command. And she's like, I don't have access to that. And he's like, you don't have access to the. OK. Uh -huh. All right. And <laughs> the plot um, thickens. The plot thickens. Basically, 
His theory is like there's a planned obsolescence happening with her hand to keep her on the hook for these jobs that she keeps keep ha, uh, keeps having to do, right? So it's mm-hmm. like uh, because he's like this hand shouldn't need this much maintenance. It is too good of a hand. <laughs> like there's nothing wrong with the mechanics of the hand, so you would you shouldn't be needing to go in for anything. Um, Turns out and, it was made by Apple. <laughs> yes, there we go. <laughs> um, so he's like, well, I can I can't do it with these these hands, but I could fix it with a brand new set of Militech SR Combat SRG 78s. Uh, we just got to go. We just got to do a little bit of a job. And she's like, I don't know. And he's like, hey, Zora's already in. <laughs> it's great. It's Fucking great. Ron. I love it. I love um, it. Zor is at his apartment uh, and he's considering the offer and he realizes that the incident at Mary's bar was a blessing in disguise because he was on a road to nowhere. He was just living out his days. So he's like, all right, fuck it. I'll do it. So Aya and Zor meet at Ron, meet Ron at his office and Zor begins asking questions about the job. Like, what are we doing? We're hitting a Militech warehouse and all that. Uh, Melina shows up. Uh, Melina, the corpo, shows up and she's like, "That none of what you just said will fucking work um, <laughs> because of the security at the warehouse. And she knows the systems because she works for Militech. Um, and uh, <laughs> there's a great moment here. <laughs> so she's like, she like lights a cigarette and there's like a no smoking sign. And she's like, okay, whatever, too bad. And she's sitting on yep. the couch, and she's looking for an ashtray. So there's no ashtray because Ron doesn't want people smoking where he does operating. Sure. And so she gets up, and she goes over to the trash can, and she flips the lid up. <laughs> and she, like, freezes, and she's staring into the trash can, and she's like, there's a hand. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. There's, there's just there's a hand. What is it? She says she just goes hand or something Hands. like that. And, it, and, and he misunderstands her. She goes, no, there's there is a hand in this trash can. <laughs> yes. And he's like, ah, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, they, they got to go somewhere, right? You know, when you <laughs> when you re- do when they you replace. <laughs> they do. I didn't know. Uh, um, so they all agree that they'll need a net runner, but they need to find the one that they had on the first job. So Ron says he'll make some calls. Um, so we we get to our uh, our net runner again. Um, did I write down the right name? Arthur. Yeah, it's Arthur. Arthur. Yeah. yeah, I wrote Albert for some reason. Arthur, the net runner, is hiding. Uh, when when Ar- Arthur gets the me- message. He's hiding in a pair of trash bags out in public so he can hack into a library system to find more information to store into uh, like a little data uh, cache that he keeps. Um, We get a little bit more (laughs) information. Dedication. (laughs) That's dedication, Holmes. Um, We get a little bit more information in this section about what the net is like and the black wall and all that jazz. And then Albert gets the message from Ron while he's doing this. Um, Zora and Aya take the subway together discussing the job and Zora is crushing on her. And he's like, Hey, how about we go out for a drink? And Aya's like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. No, she declines because she has to get home to her sister. Yeah, she um, actually she actually says she, she actually she, has. She, she might be interested. <laughs> yeah, but she has uh, she has people she needs to take care of. Uh, chapter five starts with a message from presumably Aya to the number who texts her the jobs asking for another chance uh, because she needs maintenance. But she's like, what? Whatever. This ju- this this is a bounce back anyway. Um. Meanwhile, Ron is performing uh, surgery on Arthur to install the C-Link in the base of his skull in exchange for working on the job. Arthur asks for the, uh, like, hey, do we have any of that tech two, tier two tech that we had in Royo? And Ron is like, oh, I thought you were providing it. Um, and then Ron is like, all right, well, fine. We'll need you at least to get some codes and flip the traffic lights. And and Arthur's like, oh, well, um, yeah, Borg was the one who provided the codes. Um, so Arthur does a net run looking for codes, but it seems like the only way they're going to be able to do the job is using Borg's codes. Um, and he's working on some simulations for the job. And then suddenly the scene is punctuated by his mom yelling at him to take out the trash. Yes. It just I love that. It's just it's just it's so great where this this this, you know, remarkable kid is just constantly getting interrupted by it. It's I'm just waiting for him to literally scream, mom, get out of my room. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. It's <laughs> mom. It's an online game. I can't do that. <laughs> I can't pause. I can't pause. Um, meanwhile, Borg shows up at Ron's office and Ron's like, fuck. Um, Arthur let it sleep that slip that Ron was putting to get a crew together and Borg wants in for the exchange for the codes and the codes are good until 6 a.m. the next day and of they course. can't wait any longer because Borg quit his job. <laughs> just, they say kill your darlings uh, uh, when it comes to writing. Just put your main characters through hell and it just uh, Rafal. Uh, Kosick uh, really took that one to heart. Just everybody's yeah. just fucking up. Yeah. Uh, Zor and Aya are. Uh, so it's later that night, and Zor and Aya are sneaking into Harris's auto repair uh, looking for a car. The car that they're actually looking for is the exterminator van um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that, uh, that Morris wrecked earlier. Um, as they're sneaking through, one of the guards seems to notice something going on. Aya. Goes up onto a catwalk, walks over to the other side, climbs back down, knocks on the door uh, to get the guard's attention. And then uh, all Zor sees is the guard standing there. And then the door is closed and then the door opens and Aya comes out and she's like, he won't be bothering us anymore. And Zor is like, what did you do? What, and what, was, like, what happened? <laughs> and I is like feminine wiles and they move on. And they just, yeah. They just, and they're just like, you know what? The less said about that, the better. Let's, the less uh, said about that, the better. Zor yeah. is smitten though with this girl. Oh yeah. That, that, how could he not go for that? He is crushing <laughs> so hard at, uh, on Aya. Um, Arthur is looking over all the details on the job and he's super suspicious of Borg quitting his job. So suddenly like, why couldn't he wait three more days until they had more information to do this job? 
So the group is sitting in the van waiting about 200 feet from the gate while they talk the gate to the warehouse while they talk over the plan. Uh, Borg is getting all worked up and he just wants to get in there and smash and grab. <laughs> um, he's swinging his gun around and uh, Molina then lights a cigarette, which only pisses Borg off more. Um <laughs> They ask uh, Arthur what the plan is. He gives them a driving route in which they drive around in circles for a bit while Arthur records it and loads, loads it into, like, the CCTV layer. So it just seems like this car is just driving around these streets. Um, it's for later. Uh, they pull up. They end the route by pulling up to a building near their target. And Arthur's like, okay, now get out of this. Get out of the van and light this building on fire. Yeah. And they're like... <laughs> What? Beg your pardon? <laughs> Beg your pardon? Um, he's like, yeah, you're going to light it on fire, drive through the gate of the Militech warehouse, and then you have three minutes to get the gear and get out. Uh, we, can, <laughs> we cut over to Arthur's place, and we can hear his mother complaining about him in the other room about how he's just talking to himself. <laughs> and he sometimes wishes that she was just not around anymore. Mm-hmm. And he also assumes that most of his personality comes from his dad, even though he's never met him. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I, 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 a kid who is permanently online, idly fantasizing about uh, about his mother suddenly not has existing. Some incel vibes. Woo! Yeah, I don't feel so good. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm gonna have me a lay down. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the van, they all look at Ron as the one to go in and set the fire. Uh, Ron begrudgedly goes in after Melina gives him a, a lighter and a flask of her alcohol. Once inside, he asks, hey, is anybody in here? No one gets no response. So he sets some, like, you know, newspapers up on a mattress and he lights it on, light, you know, pours the alcohol out, lights it on fire. And only then some kids pop their heads out from one of the corners. <laughs> and it's like, like an eight-year-old, a five-year-old, and like a three-year-old or something like that. And Ron's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I asked if there was anybody in here. You, and and the, the smoke is getting out of hand. He's trying to blow on the fire. Like, the fire is already too big. And he's, like, trying to blow on it. That's not doing anything. No, that's not working. He can't see it. Like, it's it's so fast that, like, you, you, that he can't see anything. And he's trying to, like, he's shouting he's, for the he's kids He's done his to job too well. Basically. He's done his job way too well. The building's going up way faster than he thought it would. Oh, yeah. Um, he's shouting for the kids to get out. He's taking too long, so Zor and Aya actually run into the building, and they help they help him get the kids out of the building, and they all get out of the sidewalk. And, um, yeah, so Ron calls Arthur, and he's like, what the fuck? You said the building was abandoned. It wasn't abandoned. And uh, Arthur's like, well, the, the plant city said it was abandoned. Uh, Borg then's like, all right, Arthur, give us more info on the layout of the, of the building. And Arthur's like, I don't have a fucking layout of the building. <laughs> I thought you were supposed to bring that. Well, it makes sense. Cause Arthur earlier was like, if I had three days, I could have gotten all this. Right. But instead he had three hours <laughs> right, <laughs> to get it all together. Um, the team figures out who's doing what. Aya, Ron, and Zora are going in while Melina and Borg handle the security guard outside. Um, and there's a good moment. Uh, <laughs> there's a really good moment about Zor yelling at Borg for putting the safety on uh, <laughs> on his gun. Um, so they drive through the front gate 
uh, and and uh, Borg and Melina hop out, and the they the rest of them continue driving. Uh, Borg and Melina go into the guardhouse. Borg points his gun at the guard, and Melina's like, "Just chill, Borg." Yeah. He's- Meanwhile, Arthur is working on CCTV footage while his mother is haranguing him about taking the trash out. <laughs> There's got to be a better way, dude. Like, at a certain point, this is kind of your fault. Like, at a certain point, just take the fucking trash out, Take man. the fucking trash out. Like, make sure that she can't, there can't be anything that she could interrupt you for. Like, Yeah, just like a little bit of, you know, uh, a little bit of honey would have helped yeah, you out here. Just a little. Just a little. Just a little. Um, the warehouse team stops in front of Warehouse 4, which is where the gear is stashed. Uh, the door is locked, so Zor just shoots it open. Uh, Arthur's like, who fired? Um, and this scene like Rashomon's a few times because <laughs> yeah. it's like, it, it's uh, Arthur asks who fires, and they're like, yeah, it was just us opening the door. We have two and a half minutes left. And so they go in and they start going through the crates. Back up. Meanwhile, in the guardhouse, uh, Melina is trying to keep Borg from apti- acting like an absolute asshole. Just a fucking nutcase. He keeps yelling at the guard about how he should give his money back to the to Militech and how he's just an old, worthless old man who deserves to die. Or it's just like, <laughs> yeah. like what, what, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing here? And Melina's like, please stop, Borg. And the old man, old guard is like shaking. <laughs> He, like, at one point drops his hat, and Borg's like, pick up your hat. And the man's like, yeah. he can't even grab his hat. Completely cracked. It's so weird. Um, And then they hear the gunshots outside, and this was the gunshots from Zor shooting the door open. Borg turns to look, and Melina sees that the guard takes his gun out and has Borg dead to rights. Uh, we cut to Arthur. And he's damning Borg's incompetence, and his mother is still bu- uh, bugging him about the trash, and he hears uh, the gunshots from Arthur, and he's like, what's that? And then he hears a fourth gunshot. And now we're back in the guardhouse, and Melina has shot and killed the guard. She saved Borg from being shot, even though he was the one who caused it. And she talks yeah. about how the brain dances don't really prepare you for the act of murder when you're doing it up close. Um so she's just like, well, I didn't like that. <laughs> I don't don't like the sound. Okay. I don't like the, this feeling. I'm going to have to uh, like, revisit that later. Uh, and then she just like <laughs> dials up her like anti-stress drugs. Yeah. Her system. <laughs> which, which I can't tell you how jealous I was anytime they mentioned <laughs> shit like that. I'm like, oh, that sounds nice. You know, that sounds lovely. You know, if you've got to live in this universe, you know, uh, you know, pump on demand. Uh, uh, you know, anti-stress drugs is really the way to go. That's pretty solid. Yeah. 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 Love Meanwhile, that. Uh, Arthur is getting into an argument with his mother while all of this is happening. And his mother pulls the plug on his helmet. <laughs> what the, the fuck, dude? The last thing he says is like the GPS is jammed, right? So uh, the team is driving around uh, they get they get the stu- they get the things they get it onto the truck they pick up Melina and Borg and they get out of there to drive around with the GPS dra- jammed but they can't get in touch with Arthur uh, because Arthur is they're like what the fuck is Morg- yeah. uh, Borg is like oh, the kid's probably fucking jerking off he got bored and he's going 
<laughs> ah, he left us. He's doing something else. Um, they're driving around. Uh, there's a couple of cops. There's like a team of cops who is like kind of on them mm-hmm. uh, because Arthur isn't really there to do all the stuff that he was supposed to do. Um, so they're just driving. They're driving south. They need to get out of there. The cops are on them um, and they see the cops in the back. And soon there's like a message that the cops get and like uh, end pursuit. And they're like, ah, fuck, there goes our bonus. And then we get a message uh, that there is a Militech drone inbound. Um, meanwhile, the, the, the car is not in great shape, and they run into a neighborhood that is controlled by Maelstrom. And all these Maelstrom goons basically come out, and they're like, what you got in the van? <laughs> <laughs> Easy way or hard way, man. (laughs) The easy way. The easy way. (laughs) Um, So Melina gets out of the the truck, and she's, like, all doped up on her anti-stress drugs. And she just starts, like, talking to the Maelstrom guy. And she's like, oh, yeah, we got the stuff right here. Let's take a look at it. She, like, walks into the back. And it, like she has like she's like opens the back to show him the 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 stuff and you know they're like just wasting time they don't mm-hmm. like there's no plan there's really no plan to actually get out of there Molina's just trying to like kill time maybe they'll lose interest yeah and then Deus Ex Militech the drone <laughs> shows up and it's like. Everybody flee everybody like stop what you're doing and the Maelstrom guy's just like fucking. Book it. Yeah. <laughs> as soon yeah. as the Militech drone shows up. Oh, they're out. They're out. Um, the Militech drone shows up. There's like a gunshot somewhere. Uh, somebody, uh, they're like, what happened there? Um, Ron accidentally shot himself in the leg when he was startled by the Militech drone. Um, Good old Ron. Yeah. Just- <laughs> and, and then uh, there's like all these little interstitials of like someone trying to get into the Militech drone system. And then it's like new operator confirmed uh, pursuit ended and the Militech drone flies away. Um, and they're like, which I uh, assume might be Arthur. But yeah. I'm not entirely sure if it's Arthur related. Um, that was my guess yeah, as well. Because the dr- somebody gets to the, to the drone takes control of it and tells it to to go punt. So right. they all get back into the van and drive off. They drive, they take Ron back to uh, the Ripper Dock office and Ron performs leg surgery on himself <laughs> for his bullet wound that he inflicted upon himself accidentally. Which, yeah, you know what? Fair. Like, you did this, so you do the... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then... Uh, as the chapter ends, as chapter five ends, Aya gets a new message uh, that she gets from that number that is always sending her messages for jobs. And uh, she doesn't like what it says. We don't know what it says, but that's how the chapter ends. Yeah. The, this fucking book. <laughs> this fucking book, man. Have you guys, are you guys still there? Are you still there? Are you still there? <laughs> Look, we've talked a lot on this show about, like, we recap these books, and, you know, now that's no substitute for reading uh, the book itself. 
Um, read, read read the books. Read the books. Read the books. Always read Reading the books. Reading Rainbow. Reading Rainbow. Uh, uh, but but I think that rule goes double for this particular book because there is so much going on uh, that it it's it's impossible. Yeah, uh, to fully appreciate it without without reading the book, it, it is a poor substitute because this is this is a this is a solid book. Yeah, it's yeah. a very solid book. It is a very solid book, and I mean, I feel like I did my best to summarize that first thirty percent, thirty six percent of the book. Yeah, uh, I I tried to keep as much detail in there because there's a lot of stuff that was in the details that seemed important. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. Uh. But how you liking it so far? I, I love it. I I just yeah. this is this is it. It's it. It doesn't matter. Um. That this is an adaptation from a video game world. We get some references to the game, obviously. Uh, right. It's obviously built within the game's world. Uh, but this is just overall... Anyone can pick this up and enjoy this. It doesn't matter if you have any experience of Cyberpunk 2077 or not. Uh, yeah. And that, to me, is the sign of a really good adaptation. Yeah. Um, that you can just pick it up and enjoy it. Uh, and and that, that that it's done its homework that way, so that anybody can hop in like. And I, 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 it's it's one of our denser reads, and I have no problem with that. Yeah, I have no yeah. issue with that. I I feel like this is um, this is probably one of our longest episodes ever. Um, oh yeah, and we're gonna to we're gonna try. I'm gonna. I mean. We'll see. We'll see how parts two and three go. I might be able to like skim down some of the summarizing, uh, depending on if it's if if it seems like it's uh, not repetitive, but information that we have already established uh, or have a shorthand for. But yeah, yeah sure. it's it's a uh, it's a beefy boy. It um, sure is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. I agree with everything you said, and uh, we're we're. Getting started. Looking forward to parts two and three. Um, <laughs> Phil, with all that being said, <clears throat> <clears throat> what are you playing? Oh, uh, I, <laughs> it's, I, you know, I'd love to be able to make the comment where it's just, just Baldur's Gate 3, man. And, and it is mostly that. Uh, but we spoke not long ago about uh vampire survivors and yeah. i got a wild hair at my ass and i'm currently at 189 out of 190 achievements uh, oh, on that game lovely i am catching right the shit back up <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> i'm so pleased with myself i've been like just like just it's it's because it's a different feel it's a lovely uh little interstitial game for anything really, but especially a big plot heavy game like Baldur's Gate 3, which I yes. am just wrapping up Act 2 on and I'm 40 hours into. Uh, so yeah, that's that one's gonna be that that's it's probably going to Baldur's Gate 3 remains a wonderful game. I think what's fascinating about this, and I'm sure you'd agree, is, is that some of the discourse you see from people is is they like using those terms like game changer and stuff like that. It's like, no, 
this is this is what classic role playing game computer games. This is what CRPGs are. Just this is what trans, they are. This is just like a modern one done. Yeah. Well, I it mean, just hap- it's, yeah, it's just done very very well. Yeah. Uh, that's that's literally it. Uh, you know, you guys, if you if you if you're enjoying this, uh, there are a wealth of uh, of uh, uh, classic. Uh, role-playing games out there, uh, like the first couple of Baldur's Gates, Icewind Dale, and and uh, Planescape Torment, and there's so much out there uh, that has this same. I mean, flavor. even I- the first two Fallout games are yes. are going to be are similar, you know, big old CRPGs. I mean, the, yep. if you're interested in this, um, also take a look at. I've I never well, I never really tried to get into it, but like. If you're interested in like an overwhelming big CRPG, uh, I think Wasteland Three is even longer yeah. than Baldur's Gate Three. <laughs> Absolutely, it's huge. <laughs> and it, it so these things they're out there, and that's why the CRPG uh, genre is so fantastic because it lasts. It really lasts. It um, it's really versatile, and it doesn't age badly. Yeah, because uh, it, it, it just is what it is. And a lot of them are very much like a, a good cut of steak with yeah. uh, with a nice marbling on it. Absolutely. And it's like you really want to the steak is great. But then you're also like, oh, the, I really want to just chew the fat. I want to chew on this yeah. gristle a little bit. There's still flavor in here. Just really tuck in. Just really tuck in and, and yeah. play it. You know, I and I think that's the thing about. There is a lot of discourse about the length of games, and I totally agree. I like I like myself a short game. I'm sure. all, I'm one hundred percent there. But when you have a CRPG that is more like a campaign that you'd play in 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 a tabletop setting, where it's like, okay, yeah, there is one overarching plot, but the individual quests are well thought out. It's not a collectathon. It's yes. not you know. Um, and this is kind of like the, the issues that I had with with like God of War three or a lot of these more high profile like Sony exclusive games, absolutely. Um, where it's like the the individual moments didn't feel as strong as the whole. And um, I feel like one of the things I love about Baldur's Gate three is that you have these these individual quests. And each of these individual quests could play out in a number of different ways that kind of ripple through the entire game. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just I just ended up... I, I'm in Act 3, and I just stumbled. I... It's amazing. I, I saw a poster for something that referenced something I did in Act 1. Uh-huh. Or, not that I did, but that... It was an issue I ran into in Act One. He's yeah. like, "Go to this survivors group." So you go to the survivors group, and the the house is in, is a wreck. And then you go to the next house that they move to, and like, you hear their story. And it was a fucking poster I randomly examined on the wall. Turned out to be its own seven hour quest. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> And that's the thing. It's it's not. It, it, there's a lot of content. Yes, there's a ton of content, yeah. um, but it isn't, you know, vapid, 
open world bullshit, there's a lot to do and yeah. it's worth doing. And it's 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 impressive uh, the yeah. level of uh, of uh, uh, just right chew and, you get out of this thing. And I think one of the other things um, that I'll say in favor of it is that there's a lot of games where you make decisions, and there might be like a morality system, like your Mass Effects yes. or your 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 Star Wars, uh, your uh, your Star Wars, your Knights of the Old Republic, things like that. Yeah. And it's actually, it was actually like, there's like a slider and you're like, good, good, bad. Yeah. Um, and that's more, that's, it's a little bit more nuanced in Baldur's Gate 3 because it's more like on the character level. Yeah. And each character has their own approval and disapproval of your actions individually. Some characters will be fine with what you do. Some characters won't be. Um, sometimes it'll be like, oh, this is a good thing. And a character who mostly sides with you on good things dislikes it for mm -hmm. some other reason that is personal to them. So um, I think, and where I am in Act 3, Act 3 is, I, it's weird because there's a bunch of people that are like, yeah, I didn't like Act 3 as much as Act 1 and 2. I love Act 3 so far. Because it throws, it has been throwing at me some of the most difficult decisions uh. I've had to make in in like a gaming playthrough of an RPG. Whereas in like Mass Effect, for example, and I know I'm, it seems like I'm dumping on Mass Effect. I I, <laughs> and I enjoyed Mass Effect. It's just like some of the stuff was trite, you know. And Mass sure. Effect is like. Do you do the very good thing or do you do the bad thing? Are you are you a saint or a demon? Or a demon. And right. some of the decisions are like, do you do this one morally gray thing or do you do this other morally gray thing? Right. And you don't know which one's better until you make the choice, but you haven't made a choice yet. You can't see the future. Make the choice, fucker. And that's yeah. Baldur's Gate. Well, that's Baldur's Gate three. It's like, yeah, yeah. And you gotta just live with the decision, or you save yeah. scum. But yeah, well, I mean, the only the only person who you have who has to live with it is you, pretty much, because yeah. that's I, I'm the only I'm the only person who feels bad that I kicked a squirrel so hard I reduced him to a fine red mist. Uh, uh, <laughs> it had no consequence on my game. Uh, Gale, I, Gale I, did not like that. I well, I don't have Gale in my party at the time. I just, that, <laughs> I just, I have no room for Gale. I, I need to get him into the party more often because I need more area area of effect stuff. But God, he gets on my nerves. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, th this has just been it for me. Baldur's Gate three. That's that's. Yeah. There's no, no way I... it doesn't end up in my game of the year uh, yeah. list at this point, if not at number one. Right. It's crazy. It's yeah. just the level is insane. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree with with uh, with everything uh, you're saying. Uh, and same for me. I mean, Baldur's Gate 3 is the only thing I've been playing, so. Yeah, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's it. I mean, that was the thing. I was starting to feel weird. I was just like, I was like, God, are we really going to do a what are you playing after this long ass episode? It's like, well, all we've done is play Baldur's Gate 3. All we've 3, done is play so. Baldur's Gate 3, so <laughs> that's... <laughs> We don't need to beat on that drum too much. Yeah, not a not a huge uh, update there. Yeah. So. 
<laughs> so uh, with that all being said, after this beast of an episode, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Oh, thanks uh, for being for sticking around. If you if you if you want to follow us, uh, go on the the blue skies or the threads or the uh, the the Facebooks or the Twitters or the the Instagrams. I don't know, fucking whatever. Just search us up at Pixelit Pod, yeah. uh, or go to our website pixelitpod.com. There you can get uh, links to our Discord um, and be part of the conversation there. Uh, otherwise, uh, we have a Patreon. We we do have a Patreon. Phil, why don't you it's tell true. us a little bit about what, what that Patreon is? What is Patreon? Well, Patreon is this magical land uh, where the, it's it's uh, patreon.com slash pixelitpod. Uh, it's, it's fantastic because what you can do is you can come in and if you want to give us a little money and join one of our tiers and get some exclusive bonus content and that sort of thing, you're welcome to do that. We love it when you do that. It helps us a lot. Uh, but also, if you just want to get in there and uh, be a part of the community, there's a free tier. And there's no reason you can't do that. And we love it. And we just we just wrapped up our first four episodes of the Legend of Zelda cartoon show, which we will be coming back to, I'm sure. Uh, and we've started in on uh, the best games of 1997, uh, which is going to be a multi-part series. Yes, uh, y'all voted. On the year, and uh, and uh, which was a super fun assignment because uh, 1997 especially was such a big year, big, big year. year. Uh, so this has been a lot of fun to do. In addition to just it coming directly from y'all's feedback, and that's something that's exclusive uh, to people at the five dollar a month tier and higher. Uh, so get in there, join us, or don't. You know, if you if you don't if you don't have any money, that that's fine. Neither do we. Uh, you know, <laughs> just follow there. along. You know, yeah, follow along. Be a part of the community. Uh, check us out there, and uh, and just we, we just like knowing that the people are there, paying attention. It means a lot to us. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. and uh, so until next time, uh, have a good night, city, everybody. You'll play Baldur's Gate three. 